Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I had a groundbreaking situation happen to me today, and I could not wait to get to this phone to call you to talk about it. Want to hear it? What a story about a hair go. Went to the chiropractor today, which was perfect timing because oddly enough, last night having dinner with my family and out of the blue, I hear this loud crackle backle sound and just so happened that my jaw decided uh, it no longer wanted to be aligned. And so I'm sitting there holding my mouth and I'm like, yes, I said jaw. I'm sorry. I'm from New York. Sometimes I, you know, listen, get with it or get lost. Okay, great. And so I'm sitting there holding my mouth and I'm like, you know, it's just in pain trying to figure out, do I take a leave? Then my son came up with this clever idea to go ahead and get this automatic massager that we have. And he's like, put this on your jaw and, you know, do this and do that. And eventually it did come to a place that I was able to go ahead once again, you know, clench and close my mouth. But I was just like, man, I woke up this morning, my neck was hurting. It was all kind of bad. Just listen, just have a nice day. So perfect timing that today just so happened to be my regularly scheduled one of my last few chiropractor appointments. So I went to my chiropractor and I've been keeping her in the loop just like you and I have been talking about what's going on in my professional life, right? So I went to her and I'm like, something weird happened to me last night. And so I was letting her know. And so as I'm laying on the table getting ready to get adjusted, she asked the question. She was like, uh, have you been stressed? And I'm looking and I'm like, listen you know god bless her she don't know the conversations we've been having she don't know that i'm in my perfect coordinates you understand she don't know that i'm looking up at the lord and i'm just like i really do low-key feel like i'm your favorite but listen teachers patting it i i won't tell nobody else it's okay you know she don't know the full extent you see what i'm saying so i was like "Mm." quick fast in a hurry I was like no I can't say stress because to me when I identify stress I'm thinking the woe is me so much going on you know you got so much on your plate it's one thing after another you know just the typical stereotypical life air quote storms right so when she asked that I was looking around like no no out of all the seasons this is not the one and so I said to her not stressed this super excited about the place and the season that I'm at and she says something so mind-blowing the next statement out of her mouth sent me on a whirlwind of oh my gosh wait a minute her rebuttal was yeah, but your body doesn't know the difference. I was like, hmm, okay. My body doesn't know the difference between when I'm stressed or when I'm excited. And then just not not even on a scientific level, right? So I'm just thinking like surfacy, like, yeah, heart pounding because I'm excited. Like, yay, oh my gosh, guess what happened? That kind of thing. You know, there's an intensity there. Yeah, there's been a little bit of a, you know, urgency to make sure I got up on time and looked good and have everything all together. And it's like, it's like Christmas, right? Like, yay. But then isn't that the same way you feel right before you take a test? It's not yay, but it's that same, if you took away the smile, it's still that same tenacity behind it, that same like energy behind it. And I was like, My body doesn't know the difference. 
So I was like, okay, I'm glad that she said that. So now I'm going to have to put some practical things in place. I'm going to go ahead and get some aromatherapy things and make sure that I have it so I can inhale it and, you know, just whatever way I can find it. If I can rub it on my palms or uh, my wrists, wherever I, you know, just I'm going to do. Trust me, I'm going to do the extensive because at this point, I need to remind my body that we're okay. That the seasons that I was in prior to the perfect courtness that I'm currently at, that I don't need that level of intensity. That I can be excited without being elevated. I don't need the cortisol. Like we don't need any stress hormones. I'm trying to identify and release more dopamine, okay, the happy hormone. And so I'm like, I'm going to do an extensive search on what I need to do to remind my body that the things that I am being stimulated by is not stressors. That the things that excite me is not urgency. That I don't need my body to react as if it needs to protect me because I feel like I'm in perfect peace. And because I heard the statement, your body doesn't know the difference, I said, oh my gosh, that rings true in so many different areas. I immediately thought about, and you know I have to take it to the spiritual realm, just because I have to do, you know it, a a spiritual and a natural application. I immediately thought about Abraham, Sarai, Hagar, Ishmael, the whole particular thing. More so because I did have that conversation today at work. It just so happened that the conversation that we, not just so happened, let me give God his credit. God aligned it so that I had a conversation about Isaac and Ishmael. And the fact that sometimes we are not really identifying God's plan because we try to either make a plan or we accept the first thing that comes, not realizing that until we get into it, oh my goodness, this was the Ishmael to the Isaac I should have been waiting for. And that's a word right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. But let me go ahead and get into what I was going to tell you. You can hold that for free. It's nothing. I'm not going to charge you no extra. But immediately again, thought about the whole Isaac versus Ishmael thing. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> we, we don't give it as much shine as we should. And maybe we do, but I want to go ahead and give it another light. So, you know, I read from the NLT version, right? Okay, so Genesis 16 is pretty much the birth of Ishmael. So let me just go ahead and give you what I need to give you. Let's just jump right into it. So verse 1. Now Sarai, Abraham's, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. 2. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. <sighs> Ma'am. Anyway. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Three, so Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. In parentheses, this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Four, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Five, then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. (laughs) Nope, let's just read on. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abraham, Abram, you did better than me, sir, but let's continue. Six, Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Okay, Abram, clap back. <laughs> okay. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. 
Seven, then the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. Eight, the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and why are you, where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. Nine, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then watch this. Ten. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Eleven. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Twelve. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all relatives. Now, let me go ahead and explain something to you. Let's go ahead and pause there. I said to myself, time out. How, why did, I don't even think they really thought this through. Like, low-key, what if Hagar would have gave birth to a girl? Like, then what? Which y'all would have been like, ooh, uh, okay, well, let's keep trying. Like, I don't understand. But what really got my attention <laughs> out of all the things that could have happened, God directed not only her being pregnant, not only her giving birth to a son, but God also gave Hagar the name she was going to name this child. And that kind of blew me away. I was like, God, wait, time out. You could have blocked the pregnancy. Okay, great. Uh, you could have did a whole, you could have made it a girl. Like I just said, you know, just, yeah, given an idea here so that we won't confuse what's going on here. You know, the carbon copy versus your actual covenant with Abram. Like, is, why didn't, but why did you go to extra mile to name him? And I felt like God put on my heart. He said, I had to anoint. <laughs> I had to anoint the seed because I originally anointed Abram. So anywhere that Abram is planted, I had to anoint the seed, but I didn't have to transfer the blessing. I said, ooh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? He said, absolutely. Uh, when the uh, angel of music, Lucifer himself, right, uh, he was anointed to be the musician. He, you know, the, if you read the Bible, all oh, it describes him so beautifully with all the instruments and the gems and the, I mean, just a beautiful, beautiful angel structure, right? And then, yeah, when he fell from heaven, that anointing was still there, but it was no longer blessed. You see what I'm saying? And so it's almost the equivalent to feeling like I feel like I'm the only whole person in a dysfunctional family. I feel like I'm the only one that wants to get my finances right in the environment where nobody else does. I feel like I'm the only one that wants to walk this walk with God and I'm looking at everybody else and they don't feel that, you know, that nudge from the Holy Spirit to do better. They're not feeling that. I feel like I'm the only person that really wants to just change my bloodline. I feel like I'm the only person that wants to go through my education and just go further than what my ancestors did. I feel like I'm the only person at this job that actually wants to walk in excellence. I feel like I'm the only. And what you don't realize is that maybe God is anointing, anointing and transferring over anointings from your grandmother's prayers, from your grandmother, grandmothers, from your mother. You don't have any idea of who may have 
prayed or, or sent down a blessing. You have no idea. But could it be that God is anointing you, but he can't bless where you're at or where you're going? Could it be? Could it be that you're looking at a relationship, intimate or familial, you, who knows? And you're like, it's like I see the, the, the potential, but I don't feel the promise. And it's because it was never ordained by God to be God's will for your life. I literally looked at the fact that when I look at the same Genesis chapter 16, right? The very two last verses says, so Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. 16, Abram was 60, I'm sorry, 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Two things pop out to me. Number one, uh, wasn't Ishmael the name that God gave Hagar? How was that information transferred over? Did Hagar go back to him and say, hey, listen, real quick, uh, met with the angel of the Lord. Really nice guy, by the way, beautiful teeth, like the whole thing. Okay, let's go back. Uh, and so he said that we should go ahead and name him Ishmael. The Bible doesn't say if it's something that was, you know, transferred over however that looks like we don't know that inside scoop but for Abram to know his name is going to be Ishmael but bigger than that when Ishmael was born Abram was 86 years old Abram was 86 years old then I did a little digging I was like, well, if he was 86 then, how old was he when Isaac was born? And I find in the Bible that he was actually 100 years old when Isaac was born. And so I said, okay, so if I do my quick math, you know, shouts out to iPhone, uh, 100 minus 86 equals 14 years. Could you have waited a decade, almost a decade and a half for a promise that you didn't see coming in fruition? Could you have waited 14 years for that very thing that it wasn't even a desire of your heart as much as it was that God placed it into your being, that you dreamt this thing, you have this idea for your family, you have this idea for your life, and this thing is so close, and this thing is, yet yeah, it feels so far, and you are looking at your present circumstance, and you're like, how is God going to make uh, Thanksgiving with these few breakfast ingredients, and you have no idea? how this is going to pass would you have gone ahead and walked the walk of faith knowing that unknowingly you were going to wait 14 years you were going to wait a decade plus you were going to literally be one year shy of a decade and a half and there is something so mesmerizing by the fact that Ishmael was the name given by God to Hagar Isaac was the name given by God for his original plan. But I almost feel like maybe God gave it eyes because Abram and Sarai were impatient. You see that? Would his name have been something different? Like, why didn't God say, okay, you know what? That one, the one that you were impatient about, we're going to go ahead and name him Ishmael. But to set this one apart, I'm going to go ahead and name him, let's just, Benjamin. Why didn't God separate the two? And it's because, again, it all reverts back to the fact that it came from the one that he anointed. It came, they both came from Abram. They both came from Abraham. 
And I almost feel like God did differentiate the two. You know how? Because when Ishmael was born, Sarai and Abram were the coordinates to that, right? But when Isaac was born, he was born of Abraham. Hmm? Abraham and Sarah. That's why it says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, he was set apart. You see that? You know, if you read it too fast, you'd be like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, I-S-H-M-A-E-L. I-S-A-A-C. You're like, ooh, y'all got, y'all, y'all letters is too close. No, 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 no. God knows what he's doing even when you mess up. God knows how to separate a thing even when you try to go ahead and mix it up. God knows how to set apart what he said would happen versus what you tried to make happen. God knows what to do. So if you understand how to go ahead and release a thing, if you know how to go ahead and forgive yourself, if you know how to say, you know what, God, I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to take some accountability, I did go ahead and um, I offered stepped in this situation I, I jumped the gun um it was excitement it was fear it was whatever the human emotion was that I couldn't tell the difference in but you know what God I'm going to go ahead and submit this to you whatever instructions you give me I'm going to follow that one to the T because I now know that when I put my hand on a situation that God already blessed that I pull away from something that looks like it pulled away from God's plan when I should have actually just been a participant in God's entire will for my life there is something about understanding carbon copy versus covenant. And I was like, ooh, I wonder did, did Abram, before he became Abraham, I wonder did Abram understand the difference between God's plan versus his plan? The difference between God's plan versus Sarai's plan. Then it made me think about David and Bathsheba real quick, right? I, I, I want to ask David, like, when you walk up from that nap, right, and you stretched and got up real quick and started walking past, the, you know, the palace windows, whatever, and you look down and you saw that beautiful, brown, delicious woman uh, taking a bath and doing her ceremonial clean situation, did you understand that there was a difference between lust and legacy? Did you know that uh, whatever you were feeling, whatever that emotional human response was after you wake up and you're a man and all that stuff happens in the hormonal realm? Did you look down at her and see legacy or did you were you blinded by lust? Because what happened after that will be a part of your legacy forever, Sir David. Like if I was there, you know, real quick, you know, just like maybe just like an Uber Eats situation, knocked on your door and was like, hey, real quick, um, when you're looking at someone, make sure that you're looking at them through the eyes of your spirit and not through the eyes of your, mm -hmm, okay, your sexual glands. Okay, great. I just want to go ahead and say that real quick because for the rest of your life, this woman will be tied to you, not because of what she brought to you, but how you brought her to yourself. That for the remaining of her existence with you, she will be known as Uriah, the Hittite's wife. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to be known as the David Goliath, you know, slayer and all this other stuff? Do you want this blemish on it? Like, will this little transaction that you're getting ready to take, these couple of minutes, what have you, this little rendezvous, if you will, is it worth tainting your legacy? Just, 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 just a quick question. Because that one night stand... 
in the Old Testament times because that's what it was. He had one of his servants come and bring Bathsheba. He was like, uh, bring her up here. They slept together. He sent her back home. She sent a little old-time pigeon messenger, said, hey, uh, real quick, uh, pregnant, okay, great. And that's when he went ahead and conspired the whole thing against her husband because she was somebody else's wife. Oh. So, yeah, get that music in your heart real quick. And it was, okay, so what do I do to go ahead and try to um, unwash this unclean thing that I just did? How do I go ahead and reverse, like a Uno card real quick, this play that I just did? No, sir, you're going to have to see this through. So she was pregnant off of a situation of lust, and then she lost that child. And then... So I feel like God was like, no, you're going to have to reap what you sow. Like, love you, David. Listen, really, really love the work that you've done for the kingdom. But you're going to have to reap what you sow. You can't, my God. It's in the Bible, sir. I just want you to be, be clear on that. But then after that, David and Bathsheba was able to birth Solomon once it was done correctly. Once David went ahead and said, okay, Uriah, all that situation happened. I'll give Bathsheba the time frames that's needed to mourn. I'll go ahead and do all the things that is supposed to be done during his particular era. And then he sent for her to be brought into the palace and she became one of his wives. And once he did it the, quote, air quote, right way, then they were able to have the blessing of being the parents of Solomon. And so to me... Solomon was legacy because we know he wrote Proverbs. He was the wisest and the wealthiest and all the, I mean, literally Solomon's name rings bells, but you know who, whose name doesn't ring a bell? The child who died when he impregnated her on that one night stand and didn't even have a name in the Bible. That child represented lust. Solomon represents legacy. And I wonder did David see in that one snapshot before he made that decision if he knew the difference, like if we were able to go back and ask him real quick, like real quick, did you, did you see promise when you looked at her or did you see something? Oh, you, you was, oh, she didn't have no clothes on. Oh, okay. So you couldn't see her promise. That's fine. I can understand that. But like real talk, like if I were to sit with you, like, you know, just privacy one-on-one, close your door. Let's just sit down real quick. Uh, and I ask you, do you know the difference between hardships and self-sabotage? Like real talk, like are there some things that's going on in your life because for some reason you make poor decisions? You pick the person who excites you but who also gives you a very hard time in the emotional realm? And you, you're just like, I don't understand. It's, it's more so because I'm not attracted to a certain type. But no, could it be that you're attracted to pain? And that you're confusing your attraction to um, what you're familiar with. You ever went to a really expensive restaurant or went to an environment somewhere you were just like, I feel uncomfortable. But it wasn't so much that you are uncomfortable. It was just you're not used to this. Did you did you ever just feel like, you know what, um... I, I'm going to leave here or I'm going to exit away from this conversation or I'm going to just remove or do whatever feels like. Yeah, let's retreat from this situation just because you weren't familiar. Did you ever stop and say, am I doing that to myself when it comes to my heart? Am I self-sabotaging and strategically, unknowingly bringing myself to places that are familiar, but they're also filled with pain? 
And then here I am having a, a crying session with God, wondering why is this happening? And, you know, I'm frustrated and there's nobody in the dating pool and this, that, and the third. When it really is, if you would stop self-sabotaging, trying to produce a Hagar Ishmael situation, trying to produce legacy out of lust, trying to, if you would just calm down and realize, oh my goodness, God trying to do something different in me. And while God trying to give me something different, I may feel different, but it doesn't have to make me feel indifferent. I don't have to take on the, ooh, th this discomfort of new is it, 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 hurting. No, but you should want to feel something different than just hurting all the time. Like the hurt that you're familiar with, that feels more comfortable to you? It feels more comfortable to you to argue and not learn how to effective communicate. It feels more comfortable to you to feel like, you know what, I don't understand. I, you know, I have all these things. I can cook, I can clean, I can do. And this may be more so for women, but definitely men. You ever realize, like, it's just because I like a, I like a girl with a little bit of, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah, but maybe that fill in the blank is the one thing that's not filling your heart to its full capacity. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about going to God and saying, listen, I like this, but can you show me if that's what I need or if that's just something I desire? Because God can change your desires because I've read in the Bible where it says that he gives you the desires and the power to do the things that please him. So if he can give you the desires to do the things that please him and we are born sinners, then don't you think that you can bring your desires to him and say real quick, um, don't really want to cheat, right? Um, in any capacity, relationships, that jobs, you know, um, cheat my integrity, cheat my the plan that you have for my life. I don't really want to do any of that. But for some reason, I'm I'm naturally wired to try to find the easy way out. I'm naturally wired to find the quick fix. I'm naturally wired to do it this way. Can you show me how to divert my desires so I can get your plan for my life? You ever really thought that maybe you don't really understand the difference between chemistry and covenant? That you literally, it does not matter what somebody's favorite cover, color is if they don't know how to communicate with you. Huh? Yeah, how important or how helpful is it to know that he or she, their favorite color is blue, but you have no idea how to get through to them to get a compromise out of them. That's important to you that y'all like the same movies, but y'all don't have the same passions in life? That y'all don't see eye to eye on some very important morals and values. That y'all don't treat people the same. Like that's important to you. Do you know the difference between chemistry and covenant? Do you know the difference between one being flesh and one being from your spirit? That God doesn't bless chemistry. That's why there's no such thing as the one. Because you'll go back in your past and be like, did I miss him? Did I miss her? Like, it could it be? Maybe it was that one person that one time met that one. No, 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 no. He's not blessing chemistry. He blesses covenant. Chemistry, I, I dare to step out and say, you can find that with anyone. You, you can find kindred spirits, people who are like you, people who like the same things that you like, people who come from different walks of life, male, female, all the while. And that doesn't mean romantic being involved. You can meet somebody at work and say, oh, my gosh, you think like me. You have the same work ethic as me. You can find chemistry in all realms. But do you understand that covenant is different? When I read my Bible, God didn't make a covenant with a lot of people. 
because I think if he did, it would be, you know, the God of um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob also. And we would have been naming all these names. That's like, whew, and another comma. My gosh, bro. How many covenants did you make? No, God was really careful and strategic about who he made covenant with. Notice it ain't say nothing about Peter. Okay. And that's who Jesus shows them, you know, had the cornerstone of his church. He, he built the, the whole thing on him, right? His name is not nowhere in there. Lazarus, oh, Jesus left him some Lazarus, right? Oh, I mean, like, literally, it was, it was chemistry a lot of different places in the Bible, but it's only covenant in a very few number. Do you understand the difference between that? Do you understand the difference between frustration and confusion? <laughs> that you can be frustrated in something because something is not aligning or going your way. Uh, and you're just like, you know what? I have a plan. I'm trying to put it together, but it's just not going well. And so there can be an irritant there versus confusion where you feel like you are literally lost in the wilderness of life. And you have no idea how to get to the coordinates of where God wants to bring you. And that if you really went ahead and really stopped and prayed, that both of those could be cleared up by just praying for clarity. That you could possibly, I'm going to say something that's daring, that you could possibly live a life that is frustration and confusion free. Because both of those are things that if you really understood God's will for your life, you don't have to have those emotional reactions. What are you frustrated about? That you didn't get that particular job, that your particular pitch wasn't, you know, wasn't sealed, that that person that you liked, you know, didn't really, that you're trying to save money, but these things keep coming up. If you really understood the value of Romans 8.28, that all, everything, all things work together for those who are called. Like if you really knew, I don't care what dynamics come into this equation. I don't care what numerals you can add letters. I don't care how you do this math equation. All of this, when it comes to the summation of it when we do equal and get that resolved it's all gonna work in my favor would you be frustrated if you truly believed in that principle and that promise that's in the bible what is there to be frustrated about if it all works for your good anyway it's almost like cooking right let's say you had because macaroni and cheese we're gonna keep bringing it up because i love it let's say you had all the ingredients except one or two really like your secret sauces you're like mm, once i put this in it it's gonna it's gonna be delicious once again my famous macaroni and cheese wins again what if you were in the midst of making macaroni and cheese and you looked in your cabinetry in your refrigerator and you're like oh my gosh i don't have that is the time to get frustrated because you know that no matter how you flip the situation, the recipe degree ingredients that you need are no longer going to make your famous macaroni famous anymore. It is going to be lackluster. It is going to be missing. It is not there. That is definitely something to be frustrated about. But what if you knew that no matter how you mixed up this macaroni and cheese that no matter what ingredients you put in it whether you had enough too much too little whatever that whenever you went ahead and baked it or however you do it and took a slice and ate it it tastes like your famous macaroni and cheese no matter what was missing or added to that is how I want you to start looking at your life nothing is missing in your life 
You have everything that you need at this current time in your life. I need you to hear me. You have everything that you need currently in your life right now that when God mixes these ingredients up, this famous recipe that he has for your life, when you taste it, when you sit back and look, you would be like, oh my goodness. And here I was fretting because there was no eggs. There was no, and I'm like, God, I don't have any eggs. And should I go run and get some eggs? And oh my gosh, they're out of eggs at that store. And should I, and you're fretting and you don't even realize, listen, your hands can't mix together what God's going to put together. Yes, in your hand, it will remain two fish and five loaves. Yes, in your hand, there is an ingredient missing. But when we go ahead and take our hands off of the spoon and let God stir that thing, you would be like, oh, my goodness, when I dip this cup in my hand, it was water in the wedding of Cana. But when I went ahead and gave it to somebody else's sip through the spirit, it was wine. How? Because there's nothing missing when it comes to the ingredients that God puts together because everything works together for your good. Do you understand that? Do you understand that confusion is demonic? That the enemy likes for you to feel like I can't hear God or that there's too much going on or he likes to either make it where you can't hear or you're hearing too much. You can't hear God and you're hearing too many people's opinions. You can't. And all you need to do is get to a quiet place. I don't care if it's in the shower, if it's in the car. I don't care if you got to put your earphones in and just act like you're doing something, but you're not just so you can get some quiet. And I need you to say something really, really simplistic. And it sounds a lot like help. God, I know that confusion is not of you. Yeah, the enemy is the author of confusion, and that's, that's not you. And right now I'm confused, so whatever I need to unplug so that I can hear you louder, please show me. But I can't, I can't even muster up the prayer that needs to be prayed, so all I'm going to really say is the strongest thing that I can say in is help. Help. Do you understand the difference between the two, frustration and confusion? Do you understand the difference between physically tired and versus em- emotionally drained? That you can think, man, I think I'm, I'm exhausted, but you don't realize that it's actually your pulling and your depletion is actually coming from the fact that you haven't tied up those loose ends emotionally in your life yet. That you got relationships that should have ended a long time ago. You have relationships that need some correcting, that you have some um, crucial conversations that need to take place, that there are some things that you need to put in order. And I don't care if you get 15 hours of sleep, when you wake up to the same people sitting at the table of your life, you're always going to get up and feel that level of drained until you start putting some stuff in order. I don't care where you go. You can go to the spa. You can go on vacation. You can say, you know what? I'm just going to fast for a day. You can change your eating habits. You can do what you want, but being emotionally drained is different from being physically exhausted. Do you know the difference? So go ahead and get that gym membership if you want, but then also go back and make sure that you uh, confront such and such and apologize to such and such and do what needs to be done because I don't care how many reps you do, you're going to find yourself like, why is my body not responding? I'm eating different. Uh, No, no, no. Your body is definitely responding, but you are a three-part being. Do you understand that? Do you understand that you are a shell with a soul that is housing a spirit? So you thought if you just took care of the shell that you'll be okay? Oh, okay. That's like washing the outside of the pot, believing the inside dirty. Do you understand the difference between that? You understand? Do you understand that there's a difference between someone being nice and someone being competent? 
And I think we fall victim to that when we choose our relationships or our friends or, uh, you know, people at the, the workplace or what have you, that there is a huge difference between uh, being nice and being competent. Imagine a nurse coming in. I'm talking about the nicest nurse you've ever met. I'm talking about she makes Sweetie Bird's mother look evil, a grandmother look evil. Like you like, you have a level of niceness that's just like, like, is it real? Do, what battery voltage do you run off of, right? And let's say the nurse came in and you just like, man, if you almost make me want to study being a nurse because you're just so awesome. And then yet um, you can tell right away you don't know what you're doing. I'm sorry. Did you just... Um, did you just come in with GYN tools and that that patient is a man? I'm sorry. Okay. Did you just uh, take something that looks like it's a cotton swab or something for the ear and try to dig that somewhere between? What are you doing? I'm sorry. And so just as concerned as you would be where you're like, I understand that you're nice, but what's more important to me is that you're competent because your competency can harm me. I, I, there's a lot of things that you can make a pass on, but competency can't be one. I don't care how nice you are. If you don't know how to care for children, I'm not leaving my child with you. I don't care how nice you are. If you don't know cars, I'm not giving you my car. If you don't know how to do, if there are certain things that you don't know how to do, I'm either going to have conversations with you that we both get up to par and we understand the expectations that we have of one another, or I'm going to have to nicely uh cut you from the team because niceness is not the only requirement and a lot of us are in positions of power where we're hiring people because they're nice or we're, we're keeping people because they're nice and you don't want to hurt such and such but what you're really doing is hurting the legacy that you have imprinted for that organization for for your particular resume for your particular professional academic career you are hurting the imprint of you because of the decisions that you are refusing to make because you don't want to hurt nobody else. That's nice. Do you know the difference between the two? So real, I don't know if you're hearing the running theme. Um, but th the challenge is, <laughs> I want you to look at your current circumstance, right? Currently, right now. Because sometimes I have you go but look in the past. But I'm confident that the Holy Spirit gave me this particular discussion topic to have with you that you're currently facing something so we're gonna go ahead and just lead with the holy spirit look at your current circumstance what are you doing <laughs> do you know the difference between your circumstance are you calling a thing a thing or you're trying to hide behind, mm, you know, the excuses we try to make? Like, do you understand? Like, just go ahead and get a piece of paper real quick. I'm going to give you some homework. And I want you to write down what you're currently facing. And then I want you to write verses. And I want you to wait and ask God, what is it really? And what am I not seeing the difference between the two? Are you looking at your job frustrations and really not understanding that God didn't plant you there? Yeah, he may have went ahead and gave favor because, again, the, the anointing is transferred, but that wasn't the location you were supposed to go ahead and implant your favor. Like, do you, like, really write down, like, okay, currently I'm on this side of the realm, and this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm identifying the issue to be. 
But actually, when I do verses, this is what it actually is. Oh, my gosh. I don't I didn't know the difference between the two until I had this conversation. And that's why we have these conversations. You know what these conversations are about? They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that nobody else ain't going to have with you but your favorite homegirl, okay? And that's why we get on this phone and we use these minutes in a good, good way because, listen, who else but me and you going to go ahead and do what we do so well through the Holy Spirit? Who else? Yeah, and I skipped over it. Listen, I know you got what you needed, so we can go ahead and just in here, okay? Um. I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. You go ahead and get that piece of paper and do what needs to be done. I may or may not pray on your bowels if you uh, try not to do it. But listen, real talk, this is your life. And I don't want you walking in any form of confusion. I don't want you calling club spades anymore. Do you understand that? So go ahead and do what needs to be done. We'll talk again. Okay? All right. Later.